Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well wherever and whenever you are. If you're new or visiting, make sure you find us on Instagram, Facebook, head to our website, everyonechurch.com.au. And most importantly, come and visit us in person. We'd love to get to know you. Come and join the journey of Everyone Church. It's been lots and lots of fun and we are really looking forward to the future. Every week we have in-person church. I record a special podcast-only version of the Sunday Preaching. The large reason is because there's a lot of background noise in our venue. We meet in a go-kart track at the moment. We're church planning. So it's kind of nice to just have a little bit more of an intimate vibe with our podcast. And so here we are. I don't know what you're doing. You could be jogging. You could be driving. You could be who knows what you're doing right now. But you're with us, and that's so awesome. But throughout the year, we've been talking through this theme from time to time of little by little. It's been a bit of a word that, that the Lord has put on our heart across our, our church, little by little. You know, when we become a Christian, many things happen in a moment. Like in a moment of faith in Jesus, I, my sins are forgiven. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit takes residence in my heart. It's not like on a time delay, like next day, Amazon delivery or something. No, it's it's in a moment. You would almost call it like an end suddenly thing of God. But for every end suddenly of God, there's a multitude of ends slowlies, little by little. Like little by little, I learn the ways of Jesus. I learn to continue to repent of my ways. I learn to read the Bible and, and, and understand how to apply the truth of Scripture to my life. Little by little, I learn to, to submit my life to God and to, to be part of the body of Christ. We all tend to want things right now, but not everything in the kingdom of God is suddenly, like right now. There are lots of things that are, but not everything is. Right, so what we're learning is is that we're all on a little by little journey. Even our church plant is on a little by little journey, coffee by coffee, new person by new person, baby dedication by baby dedication. You know these kind of things that have been happening in the life of our church. So today I want to share about little by little when it comes to the weight and the work of life, the weight and the work of life. Maria and I used to live in a, uh, a unit complex on the second story. Kind of like the back corner of the complex, you know, you park downstairs in the underground car park and head upstairs to your unit. We were newlyweds, no lawns to mow, no kids to look after, no one would know if you're there or not. And it was it was cool, I, I loved it. But uh, it got a little bit annoying when we had to move out because, you know, we moved in with very little things and just over a number of years piled up the, the belongings and then we had to move out. We had to go down the stairs out the front of the complex because we couldn't park the moving truck in the underground car park. It was just, it was painful. So what I did is I called on a few friends who were a lot stronger than me, particularly my brother, Spencer. If you were at church uh, last week uh, for our our daughter's dedication, you would have met Spencer. He's a lot bigger than me. I used to beat him up, and now he he could easily beat me up. And he would, we teamed up to, to move, and he was very helpful because, you know, when we had to carry a fridge out, I'd head, I'd send him down the stairs first, and I'd be like, I'd be the guide, and he would be the muscle, the grit. And it's, it always pays off to team up with someone who is stronger than you when you're moving out of the second-story unit. In Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, which is our core scriptures for today, Jesus is speaking to a, a crowd of people, and we'll read verse 28 to begin with. Jesus says, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.'" 
you know, we often try to carry things that we just don't have strength to carry ourselves, uh, whether that's emotionally, spiritually. And here is Jesus calling people, that, that, that includes you and I, uh, to himself and saying, hey, I want to be the heavy lifter of the burdens of life. That's what he's saying. Like my brother Spencer was the heavy lifter of the fridge we were carrying downstairs, multiple flights of stairs, right? Now, what are these burdens that we carry? Well, they can be lots of things, worry, fear, loneliness, the burden of self-worth and self-esteem, the burden of money and and, and possessions and, and provision, parenting. You know, I think the biggest burden of all, really, uh, the biggest burden a human can try to carry is is trying to get themselves right with God, which, which we can get distracted in life. But when it comes down to like those uh, moments in life where we realize that we are finite beings, uh, that life is fragile, all of us have that deep burning desire to know, hey, am I going to heaven? Am I right with God? I think this is a, these are that's a huge burden that we carry as humans. There is a weight to life. And if life isn't heavy for you right now, well, wait till you have kids and <laughs> have a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. Hey, how heavy is life for you today? What burdens are you carrying? Jesus says, come to me. Not to Netflix or retail therapy or the news or the gym. If you want real rest, come to me. Learn from me. So let's continue in Matthew 11, verse 29 to 30 this time. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, what is this yoke that Jesus is talking about? If you're like me and you didn't grow up in church, I remember whenever I'd hear a pastor talk about yokes, I'd be thinking, is he talking about eggs? What does eggs have to do with anything? Um, But the yoke that Jesus is talking about is is a... uh, a piece of farming equipment, pretty much, that would a big crossbeam that would tie two oxen together when they would plow. Imagine uh, you could just search it, yoke ox or something. You give it a Google image search, and you'll see the big crossbeam that holds multiple animals together as they pull a plow when they're uh, uh, churning up the ground. So the funny thing about this is. Um, this imagery that Jesus is using, he's saying, hey, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Uh, a yoke in its very nature is not easy. It's 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 as if Jesus knows, hey, you know, there's a weight to life, but also there's a work to life. He's referring to a work here. There's a load to life and there's a labor to life, isn't there? Uh, n- notice he doesn't say, hey, come to me and I will give you rest and you'll never have to work again. It's like, hey, Jesus, do you know what you're trying to say here? The last thing a weary person needs is a yoke. Wouldn't you rather say, hey, if you're tired or weary, come to me and I'll give you a mattress. I'll give you a a vacation. Frederick Dale Bruner, who is a leading scholar on the book of Matthew, he says this, Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. I love this. Not only does Jesus offer us help for the weight of life, but he also offers us help for the work of life. Now, it's often our dream to escape the weight and the work of life, to put up our feet and get some relief from the load and the labor of life. And we we use all sorts of things to escape, to get relief, things like 
having a few wines to take the, the, the edge off or watching TV and falling asleep on the couch or sports or distractions, going to shoot a game of golf. or And these aren't all bad things, although the wine thing you probably want to keep an eye out. But all of them, you, you could say at times, are just an attempt at escaping. Uh, and what Jesus is offering us isn't just escape. He's offering us a new way to carry life, a new lifestyle. And this, you know, there's a difference between those who say they believe in Jesus and those who are actually learning a Christ-centered lifestyle. When we talk about following Jesus and about being a Christian in our day-to-day lives, sometimes we think about things like theology, like the study of God or ethics, knowing right and wrong, or even like rituals and events like baby dedications, church attendance, connect groups, all these kind of things. But I think we need to talk about lifestyle more. A Christ-like lifestyle is learning to embrace Jesus' way to carry the weight and the work of life, the load and the labor of life. Now, obviously, we can't work our way to God. Like We can't go to church enough, do enough godly things. We can't not sin enough to earn our way to God. We're not talking about working our way to salvation. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Salvation is not about works, right? It's about faith and trust in Jesus and surrendering my works in many ways. But one of the biggest misconceptions we have in modern Christianity is that to follow Jesus, it just costs me nothing. Like salvation is is just this free ride. It's free by faith, but it actually cost me everything. It cost me my pride. It cost me my priorities. It cost Jesus something, absolutely. Uh, but, but what it costs us is nothing compared to what we gain in Him. Like I trade my shame. I trade my burdens. I receive hope, love, purpose, His presence, eternity in heaven. You know, we all love a good deal at the shops. Um, if you're like me, you're probably starting to dabble into Christmas shopping for the kids and all that kind of stuff if you have kids, or maybe you're a last-minute shopper. I don't know. But we all love a good deal. Here's a good deal that Jesus is offering us. Trade your burdens for rest. Jesus is saying in these simple verses, the simple invitation, come to me. I will carry your burdens with you. I will work with you to carry the weight of life. A new Jesus-centered lifestyle. Now, what does this yoke look like in my life? What does it really look like? You know, it sounds like a grand idea. I hope that there's something inside of you that says, that sounds fantastic. What does that actually mean? Well, I've written down a few things. They all start with P to help us remember. But I think the yoke that Jesus is talking about represents a few things. Number one is pace. You think about a yoke that ties two oxen together, it keeps them at the same pace. In fact, if one was to go off pace, it, the, the, the whole vehicle would turn right? So we're talking about pace. I think Jesus is saying, hey, learn my pace. It's like when I go for a walk with my kids, my son, Roger, who's three in particular, it's like, hey, dad, you're walking too fast. You know, he tells me, hey, walk with me. You know, I have to learn his pace. And the yoke of Jesus is about pace, a new pace of life. We, we live in such a hurried, chaotic world, a world that doesn't know how to stop and pace itself and set margins and manage its time. Dallas Willard, who was an American uh, Christian philosopher and author, 
He once called the concept of hurry and just being in a hurry the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And he said that followers of Jesus need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from their life because Jesus was never in a hurry. In John chapter 11, we read a story about Lazarus. He's dying, and Mary and Martha come to Jesus and they say, please come with us. Lazarus is dying. He's going to die. So this is like a desperate hurry-up type situation we're talking about here. And we see how Jesus responds in John chapter 11, verse 5 to 6. It says, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So (laughs) he loved them, but he, he stayed. And you know, we were just talking about the end suddenlies of God and the end slowlies of God. A two-day wait for someone who's desperate, desperate that, that's an end slowly of God, isn't it? And in the English Standard Version, it says, the, those verses say this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Like, what? <laughs> hey, listen, it says that he heard He loved, but he stayed. Don't confuse God's timing with his hearing and his love for you. Taking his yoke upon you is about pace. It's about his timing. It's about learning to slow down to his pace. When I'm constantly busy and in a hurry, I'm not in a place to receive. I'm not in a place to give. I'm not, and I'm Definitely not walking at Jesus' pace. In Proverbs 19.2, it says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So Scripture encourages us to be still and know that He is God. You can't be still when you're in a hurry. And we all need to slow down to the pace of grace. You can't keep up with God anyway, even if you tried. But He chooses to keep up with us. He chooses to slow down with us in many ways. So... What is taking his yoke upon us? I believe it represents pace. The second thing I would think it represents is partnership. You think about two oxen being yoked together. They're they're together for a purpose. They're together for a work. We are in partnership with the Lord. Christ does a work in us, and then he does a work with us. And this is what his lifestyle is all about. It's about living and working alongside Him. It's not about sitting around and going, thank you, Lord, and not doing anything. No, it's about working with Him. You know, we've been church planting for a couple years now, and one big lesson that I keep learning over and over again is working for Jesus is only possible by walking with Jesus. We can't just work for Jesus without walking with Him. When I try to do things myself and in my own strength, it's so tiring. But when I do things with Him, what is with him? Well, with him is with his word, with with him in prayer, with him in thought, with understanding that his presence is with you day by day, enabling you, prompting you. It's amazing when you partner with Jesus, you're never alone. You're not alone at work. You're not alone on the train. You're not alone when you rest your head at night. And guess what? God has a work for you to do in this world. You might not think that. You might think, oh, it's someone else's work. No, no, no. God has a unique work for you to do in his world. Your life has a purpose. God wants to make use of you for His purpose. I love that about our church, that we exist for a purpose outside of ourselves, you know, to bring Jesus to everyone everywhere. We exist to to love Jesus, to follow Him, and also to reach others. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, which is the last verse of 2 Corinthians 
chapter 5. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. The very next verse, which remember, the original letter from Paul would not have had chapter breaks in it, but the very first verse of chapter 6, verse 1 says this, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. What is ignoring it? Well, that is to not put it to work and not to partner with God. We are partnering with Him. He's the heavy lifter, but God is with us to do a work for Him, and it takes place with Him him. Which brings me to my final point. So what is this yoke that Jesus is talking about? Well, I believe it talks about pace, a pace of life. It talks about partnership, that you're working, you have a work to do with the Lord. And lastly, I believe it talks about proximity, proximity. The, these two oxen are, that are yoked together, they're, they're close to one another. When Jesus says, come to me, he's offering a choice. Would you rather be close to worry or close to Jesus? Would you rather be close to fear or close to Jesus? James 4.8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So there are just some things that don't stand a chance in the presence of Jesus, because his presence is peace. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. You will, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about some mystical goosebump thing here. I'm, I'm talking about God's real peace-filled presence. You can be in close proximity to God and experience peace, love, joy. Closeness with God is a privilege. His, his grace opens up a way to his presence. When Jesus says, take my yoke, he's saying, come close to me. You know, as a father, I love giving my kids a big hug, especially at this young age when they're super huggable. I give them a big hug, you know, and it would break my heart if they were running away from my offer of comfort. And my offer of help. You know, I was walking with Roger the other day and he was like, dad, I'm tired. Can I go on your shoulders? And of course, I'm like, absolutely. I chucked him up on my shoulders and just enjoyed the fact that I was hanging out with my, with my son. Now, what, what burdens are you carrying today? Are you walking in pace with Jesus? Are you partnering with him? Do you realize you have a work to do with him, a purpose to live for with him? And do you have a sense of closeness with him in your life? Well, if, you, if the answer to those questions is no, 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 well, maybe you haven't really surrendered your life to him. Maybe you haven't taken his yoke upon you. And if you want to, it starts by having faith in him and asking him. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray this prayer out loud, I'd love you to pray it in your heart to him. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Well, I hope the word encouraged you this week and I uh, hope you have an amazing, amazing week ahead. If you prayed that prayer and you want to 
uh, you want to follow Jesus, come to church next week. Come and visit us. Contact us on Facebook, Instagram. We'd love to help you, send you a Bible, help you in any way. But hey, remember, walk in pace with Him, walk in partnership with Him, and walk in proximity to Him. Amen? Amen. Have a great, great week.